that's how you feel tonight, somebody give him a great praise all over this house. If he's great Jehovah, he deserves great praise tonight. In fact, the Bible says to make his praise glorious. Somebody ought to take that praise you got right now and just turn it up a notch and make it glorious tonight. Hey! Hallelujah! If he's been good to you, give him a shout of praise tonight. Woo! Anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? My, my, my. As you return to your seat to grab your Bibles, high-five at least six people. Tell him he's more than enough tonight. Come on, tell him he's more than enough tonight. I don't serve a God of not enough. I don't serve a God of just enough. I serve a God of more than enough. Hey, I wish somebody in the building would go ahead and give God a praise for that tonight. He's more than enough. Grab your Bibles. We're going to the book of 1 John tonight, chapter number 4. While you're turning there, let me say uh, what a privilege it is to have all of our guests in the house of the Lord tonight. One more time, would you help me put your hands together? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Church, help me welcome all of our guests that are here tonight. We are so excited to have you in the house of the Lord and uh, pray that you are feeling the presence of the Lord in the same way that we feel him every time we come to the house of God. Amen, somebody? Amen. And uh, I thought about this Sunday and uh, forgot to do it, and so I want to do it tonight. But I want to uh, give a great big thank you. How many of you think that the church just looks incredible with all of the Christmas decor? Doesn't it look awesome? I want to give a great big thank you to Sister Collins and Sister Celine Wesley tonight and the teams that helped them put all of that together. Would you help me put your hands together in appreciation for them tonight? looks absolutely incredible and uh, so 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 much goes on behind the scenes in this church and uh, to make everything as incredible as it is from the time you pull up on the church property in the beautiful landscaping there's a uh, a team of people that are here every single weekend early in the morning on their days off and they're running around with riding lawnmowers and trimmers and hedge clippers and blowers and all kind of things because they want the house of God to look beautiful. Amen. And then uh, we have an incredible clean team. Sister Lateria Black leads an incredible sanitation team that are here throughout the week, several times and and days throughout the week and and uh, we get to just come in and enjoy a beautiful clean facility and and then we leave and, and they spend hours and hours 
combing through all of the facility and vacuuming and sweeping and dusting and mopping and wiping and making sure that every time we come to the house of the Lord, we can bring guests and visitors into a place that represents a first-class God. Amen. And uh, so many, so many people, I, I'll forget if I keep going, but uh, then we have, you know, some incredible maintenance teams that are always uh, working on, on a campus of this size. There are always not a list, but lists and lists and lists of things to be working on and repairing and improving. And uh, they are here hours on end every week working on those things. And then in our church service, uh, always working behind the scenes in such a powerful way. Our, our sound team always doing such an incredible job. Sister Sloss, Brother Devin Collins, making sure that our live music and, and the sound is first class and making sure that the audio uh, sounds professional as it goes through the live stream. And then, uh, of course, all of our, our live stream team, uh, Brother Alden Bearfield and his team doing such an incredible job making sure that we have a first-class broadcast reaching our community and our city. I'm just telling you, uh, I don't know what the percentage is exactly, but if I had to guess, probably 75, 80% of the guests that flow through this house found us first online amen it was through the venue of technology and online that they discovered us and they started out by watching us online and finally the holy ghost just reaches through their computer screen and they said i had to come had to come amen and it's hilarious because when they get here it's like they've been studying everybody on the screen and they're like where's that one sister she looks like this, sings like that. I got to meet her. And, and who's that one brother that I always see do this? And where's that one young guy that can dance real good? I need to see if I can find Brother Keith. And, and, uh, <laughs> and so it's awesome because by the time they get here, they just feel like they're a part. And so thank you to all of those teams and our media team. Uh, I don't even know who's in charge of these teams anymore. I, I got so many great sister Camila Clark and her amazing team that do such a great job making sure that all of our visual stuff is uh, in line and in check. And then our, our media uh, development team and graphic team led by Brother Judah Williams, always doing such an incredible job making sure that we capture content and where we have a strong presence on social media. And, and uh, I'm just telling you, I, I ain't afraid one bit to tell you we are taking advantage of every opportunity we have to get in front of people and preach the gospel and win them to Jesus. Amen. And I think if we're going to do it, we ought to do it first class to the best of our ability. Amen. And, uh, and, and then our translation team that makes sure, yeah, give it up for them. Our sister Ramirez and, and that team that provide translation, Spanish and, and uh, Haitian Creole. And, and one day we're going to need all kind of other different languages. Amen. And, uh, and, and I could go on and on and on, but I want to say thank you to everybody who makes uh, coming to the house of God at, at TRC an absolutely incredible experience. And when people come, they experience the difference.
Tell your neighbor, welcome to the difference. <laughs> Amen. Now listen, I, I want to get into this tonight. I'm going to do something uh, that I, I don't know that I have ever done before quite like this. Um, last week, my lesson or sermon title was, What's Love Got to Do With It? And tonight, my sermon title is going to be, What's Love Got to Do With It? <laughs> now, before some of y'all start panicking, thinking I'm going to get into part two of last week, just hold on a second. And for those of you that are panicking or, or, or reacting funny, God's got your number. I hope you received what God had for us last week. And if you didn't get it, some of y'all got it here, but you need to get it here. Oh my, I may not even get to my sermon. You, gotta make, you better make sure you didn't just let it go in your ear, but you let it get inside of your heart. Amen, somebody. The Bible says my children are destroyed for lack of understanding or knowledge. And it's not because it's not being taught or preached. Bible said in the last day there would be a famine of the hearing of the word. And I don't know about you, but, but, but I want to make sure I get a hold of God's word and do what the writer said. I want to hide it in my heart. Come on, you're responsible for hiding the word in your heart. The preacher can only preach it. You've got to pick it up. You've got to prepare a place. And then you've got to hide the word in your heart. Amen, somebody. But tonight, I, I want to preach what's love got to do with it. So go with me to the book of 1 John chapter number 4. And uh, this may be a little more of a Bible study than a sermon tonight. Amen. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Media team, I apologize in advance that I did not uh, get you all of my scripture references ahead of time. Uh, I've got quite a few of them. I'll do my best to speak clearly and distinctly so that you can get those up as fast as you can. Sword drills look a lot different in 2023. <laughs> How fast can I look it up on my phone? Amen. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. This is a powerful verse. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, 
if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Now I'm preaching something that is almost anathema in some circles of the church, but I'm gonna preach it anyway tonight. I'm gonna tell you right now, the charismatics didn't steal the doctrine of love. Come on, the backslidden carnal churches. Uh, I'm not going to let them hijack what it means uh, to have a church that's full of love. Uh, I'm going to preach it tonight. Verse 12 says, No man hath seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. And hereby know we that we dwell in him and him or he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. He hath given us of his spirit. The essence of who God is, God has given that to us. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. And that he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Listen to this. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, and can I just put sister in there? whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. The question is, what's love got to do with it? And tonight the answer is everything. I wish somebody would put your Bible down and one more time give God a hand clap of praise in this house tonight. Come on, if you really love God tonight, would you show him by giving him a hand clap offering and a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated tonight. When you begin to study the scriptures and uh, you will find that the topic 
of love is a very powerful subject and uh, there is some etymological distinctions that are important when studying the topic of love because every time you see the word love in the scripture, it is not always derived from the same root word. And there are some distinctions and differences in those definitions. The three main ones that I want to talk about for just a moment tonight to give you some context uh, is the first uh, word that we find in the original text that is translated as love in the scripture is the word uh, philia, uh, where we get the term brotherly love. You know of the city Philadelphia. It is known as the city of brotherly love. The first part of Philadelphia comes from the same word, philia. It is the love that God speaks about when we talk about our love one to another in the body of Christ. It is brotherly love. It is love, human love, love for humanity, love for each other, philia. The second kind of love is uh, a love that I really, it, it is boggling that the same word is even translated into the word love, but it is the word eros, where we get the term erotica from. And it is the lowest level of uh, any kind of emotional love. It is where, it is the sensual connection. It is the most base and low level kind of love that there is. And then, of course, you have uh, what we know as agape love. And this agape is the perfect love of God. We do not have agape love in and of ourselves, but when we receive the Holy Ghost, God allows us to learn how to love like he loves. Amen, somebody. And so studying the topic of loving one another seems almost unnecessary since we would assume that Christians do love one another. Nevertheless, if maintaining the proper perspective or level of love that God wants us to have was not a problem, then God would not have addressed it in his word. And as sweet, natural, and inviting as it sounds, loving can be a problem area in our lives. But it only becomes a problem for Christians when we fail to remain spiritual or obey God's word. Becoming a child of God is contingent upon your obedience to Acts 2.38 and John 3.1-8. And it produces the experience received by the church in Acts chapter 2 verse 1-4. through 4. And upon our receiving the Holy Ghost, the scripture tells us in Romans 5 and 5 that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy 
Ghost. I don't care how you were raised. I don't care what your culture is. I don't care what your family dynamic is. I don't care what you missed from your mom or your dad or grandma or grandpa. When you receive the Holy Ghost, if you will allow God, God will let the love of God be shed abroad in your heart. I wish I had a witness. In the, God will take away your excuses for not being able to love people. God will remove the stumbling blocks and the proclivities that we have that reject relationships and reject, come on, did you know there's people that are so dysfunctional that you can't even love them because they don't even know how to be loved and they perceive love the wrong way and they misinterpret love the wrong way. But when you get the Holy Ghost, God helps you to both give and receive the love of God. I'm going to preach up in this house before it's said and done tonight. And it is evident in Scripture that there are some concerns uh, concerning the human proclivities of not being able to love the way that God wants us to love. Bring, pull up for me 1 John chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, media team. 1 John chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. I'm going to be relying uh, on the screen myself. Thank you. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light... And hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Now this is powerful because in just a moment the writer is going to reveal to us that when you are in darkness you are stumbling around. Meaning that you have, uh, you have no ability to perceive things the way that they really are. When you are in darkness you can't see things the way they're supposed. Why? Because when you see something it is because of the reflection of light that is coming from the object and in the absence of light you misidentify things oh I wish somebody would get a hold of what I'm talking about right now and so when you do not have the light of the Holy Ghost your perception of people gets messed up your perception of relationships gets messed up your perception oh I need some help up in this place you'll walk around thinking everybody hates you when really you're just living in the dark. Uh, you'll walk around thinking nobody likes me uh, and you're really just living in the dark. Uh, you'll walk around saying, why did she say that? Uh, why did he say this? Uh, they didn't say what you think they said. Uh, the problem is, is that you're walking in uh, the dark uh, and you need the Holy Ghost to turn the light on for you uh, and understand not everybody is out to get you. Uh, not everybody is out to hurt you. Uh, not everybody's trying to get one over on you. Uh, not everybody is trying to work an angle. Come on, somebody. Uh, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. Uh, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Next verse. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his 
eyes. John's letter, 1 John, the text that we read tonight, rules out optional or selective love. Remember, he is not writing this to sinners. He is writing this to the church. Oh, I'm going to preach. This is not a problem out in the world. Uh, you expect people without the Holy Ghost not to love one another. You expect people without the Holy Ghost uh, to have attitude problems with everybody. You expect people out in the world uh, to not understand how to love and be loved. Uh, oh, but when you get the Holy Ghost, uh, there ought to be a different mindset. Uh, there ought to be a different heart set that happens. Uh, and John begins to address the fact Come on, somebody. He, he is writing a letter to the church. And the, the premise of God's love, if you go back to our text, verse 10 and 11, is that we are not even worthy of his love. We couldn't even love God uh, the way that he loved us. And so the model is set uh, that we, we don't love people based on how well they can love us. But we learn how to love people uh, the way that God loved us. Come on, somebody. Uh, you got to rise above uh, the selfish uh, expectations expectations uh, that my love is only extended uh, based on your qualification uh, of what I have to give. Uh, I know the world wants to tell you, baby, they don't deserve you. Uh, hey, you, you better get off your high horse uh, because you didn't deserve God, uh, but he loved you anyway. Uh, Come on, I need some shouters in the building. Uh, I said, you didn't deserve God, uh, and he loved you anyway. Uh, you better learn how to love some undeserving people. Uh, you better learn how to extend love to people uh, that don't know how to even give it back to you. Uh, you better learn how to love people uh, that are in dysfunction uh, and pray for them that God helps them uh, and be an example. Uh, why? Because he loved you uh, when you couldn't even love him back. I wish I had a witness in the building tonight. It is spiritual dysfunction when we just cut people off because they don't meet our expectations. Woo, okay, I, it's getting tight up in this Holy Ghost church tonight. It is spiritual dysfunction. I, I don't care who taught you how to do it. I don't care if that's how Mama Nim did it. I don't care if that's how Granny did it. I don't care if that's the behavior that was modeled in where you, your neighborhood, your family. I don't care. God's genetic is greater than your family genetic. It's time to learn a new way. We don't just cut people off. We don't just put them out to dry. We we don't just come on somebody uh, our love has to be like God's love uh, I love you despite uh, your faults uh, I love you uh, despite your shortcomings uh, I love you when you have a good day uh, and I love you when you have a bad day uh, I love you when we agree about everything uh, and I love you uh, when we have a disagreement uh, when the disagreement is over uh, I'm gonna give you a hug uh, and we're gonna shout together uh, we're gonna have revival together uh, we're gonna be what God I wish I had a witness up in this place uh, what's love got to do with it? Uh, it's got everything uh, to do uh, with it. Love uh, is the essence uh, of who God is. Mm -hmm. And he tells us, how can we say that we love God whom we have 
not seen. And we can't even love our brother or sister whom we have seen. God said, the way I prove your love to me is to watch how you love other people. Woo, it's good up in this place tonight. And so unquestionably, we are obligated to love one another. And our love should be far-reaching when we walk after the Spirit and the Word of God. Loving those that are lost as well as those that are saved. And love is not a weak, unguided, undisciplined affection that gives us license to, to do as we please. But instead it is true biblical charity. That word charity in scriptures just literally means love. It is true biblical charity with all of its characteristics. For example, y'all ready tonight? You got your seatbelts fastened. Chastisement is an expression of love. I knew I'd lose my shouters right there. <laughs> See, we only want to look at love as bringing me a dozen roses and giving me a compliment. But how many of you understand that sometimes love is shown by chastisement? Woo! Get for me Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. Whether this is exercised by God or man. And the problem is, is that some of us, and I'm just going to preach in the day and age we live in today. There are so, so many dysfunctional families. I know, I came out of one. That, that the rippling effects of all of these things are, are, have long tendrils that hang on to people well into their walk with God. And because of the distortion in human relationships, people get into the church and they struggle with certain things. Let, let, let's, let, let's read this. Put it up on the screen. Hebrews 12, 6 through 11. It says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. You know what that means? Can I just break it down? Whom the Lord loveth, he gives them a spanking when they need it. About 20% of y'all ain't clapping on that right there. I'm going to say it again and give you another opportunity. Uh, whom the Lord loveth, uh, he'll give them a spanking uh, when they uh, need it. Oh, you know a good parent uh, doesn't let a child just act out all crazy and do what they want. A loving parent uh, cares enough about the child uh, to chastise the child uh, when they need corrected. And scourgeth every son whom he received. Let me stop here for a moment because one of the prevailing mindsets in today's day and age is, 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 is don't, don't touch the kids. Don't whip them. Don't, don't correct them. Don't let them be. They just... The Bible literally tells us that when we don't correct our children, we are aiding in their destruction. 
it, it, you, it's manageable when they're two years old and six years old, but when they become 16, they're going to be a teenage delinquent. And when they're 21, they're going to be a candidate for the prison system. What you don't teach them when they're six, the law enforcement will make sure they learn when they're 25 years old. You can teach them now in love uh, or let the police take care of them without love. Uh, I'm challenging some parents up in this building. Uh, you better not adopt this mindset that the world has. Uh, if you love your babies, uh, you better learn how to correct them when they're young. Uh, correct them well. I love them too much to watch them mess their life up. Uh, I love them too much to let them grow up dysfunctional next verse Lord we're going to be here all night if ye endure chastening woo, you know what that means nobody likes a whipping you have to endure it if there's a condition here pay attention stay with me if ye endure chastening God deal with you as sons. You know what that tells me? If you don't endure chastening, you're like a bastard is what the Bible says. A father, a child whose father has rejected them. If you endure chastening, God deal with you as with sons. Here we go. I want you to look at the correlation here between the spiritual and the physical. Dysfunctional families oftentimes produce a dysfunctional perspective of our relationship with God and the church when we get the Holy Ghost. And if we never had a dad that loved us properly, a mom that loved us properly, then, then we perceive chastening and correction and all of these things. We perceive it in a warped fashion. And instead of receiving it with love, we reject it uh, as hate. We reject it as being, being hated. We reject it. Come on, somebody. But God wants to help somebody in this place tonight in your walk with God. If you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. A bastard is not just a, a child who don't know his father. A bastard is a child whose father has rejected him as his son. Furthermore, tell your neighbor, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh. Here we go. Notice the correlation here between the behavior and love of a father to the children and our understanding of chastisement and love. Anybody see that? One of the greatest tragedies of society today is fatherless America. And the absence of a father in the home has produced children that don't understand the love of a father. And so they don't know how to receive correction. They don't know how to receive chastisement. They don't know how because they don't, anything from a father is perceived as abandonment and abuse uh, and rejection. Come on, somebody. Uh, but the Holy Ghost uh, wants to change our hearts uh, and our minds in this place. Tonight. Listen, honey, uh, I know what it's like to grow up without a daddy uh, and have to struggle through all of these things and, and even an abusive father. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, when you get the Holy Ghost, God will wrap his arms around you if you will let him and he will teach you how to love he will teach you how to be loved which includes being corrected and being chastened it's not for your detriment it's because you're loved 
we've had fathers of our flesh, which correct, don't worry if it gets too late, I'll just pick up part two. We'll, we'll do what's love got to do with it three weeks in a row if we have to. We gave, when, when they corrected us, we gave them reverence. We didn't like it when it happened, but when we get old enough to understand, we say, man, thank God for every whipping I had. My buddy Johnny never got whippings and he's in prison tonight. And here I am functioning to, come on somebody. Well, I give reverence. Thank, thank you, Mama. If you're watching, uh, thank you for every whipping. Uh, thank you for every correction. Uh, thank you. I know I didn't like it at the time. Uh, I may have thought you were being mean. Uh, I may have thought, come on, but thank you. Uh, thank you uh, for loving me enough uh, to correct me. Shall we not much rather be in subjection under the Father of Spirits and live? Next verse. For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Next verse. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Are y'all reading that? Nobody says, oh goody, I get to be corrected. I'm so happy. I had, to be, I had to be corrected. No chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, say afterward. When you get done pouting about it, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Chastening will produce correct behavior in those that it is exercised by. And so love has many disciplines and corrections as well as liberties. And love can and often does even involve rebuke. Read Revelation 319 when you get home tonight. Love is such a powerful force that it can motivate us to exercise discipline or, or tenderness. I, I want to look at this tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 13. This is the same, this is the Apostle Paul, the same writer of Many of these scriptures, the one we just got done reading in Hebrews, arguably he is the author of the book of Hebrews. Listen to this dissertation concerning love. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, what he's saying, your speaking in tongues is as empty and worthless as can be. I thought I'd have more than 20 people clapping their hands tonight. Next verse. And though I have the gift of prophecy <laughs> and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. 
What he is saying is, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, how smart you think you are, how long you've been living for God, how many books of the Bible you can quote, how many verses you can reference. I don't care if you can shock them shy and hick them high and lay your hands on some. I don't care. If you don't have love, it means nothing in the kingdom of God. I wish I had a church in this place. What's love got to do with it? Everything. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, nobody's sacrificed that much in here, and have not charity, it means nothing. It doesn't do me any good. Charity, love, y'all ready? Take notes tonight. God's trying to teach some of us what love is. Love suffereth long. Some of us need to, need to quit being so quick to write people off. I'm going to go back to it tonight. How dare us write people off over our little dumb things and then we dare stand in an altar and beseech God to forgive us uh, and overlook our issues uh, and for come on and try to repent how dare we stand in front of God asking for his mercy and patience uh, and long how dare we ask God uh, to be patient and long suffering with us uh, and we're quick to write other people off uh, and cut them uh, come on somebody love uh, suffereth uh, long and is kind. Some of y'all need to learn how to just be kind. Quit being hateful. Listen, it ain't cute to have an attitude. I'm going to say it again. Having an attitude doesn't look good on you, honey. It ain't cute. It's selfish and it's self-centered. Love is kind. Love envieth not. Love doesn't have its focus on what everybody else has. That's not the disposition of love. I ain't worried about what you got. I hope you're blessed abundantly, exceedingly, overflowing. Love doesn't envy. If you got to go behind people's back and talk about, oh, I don't know how they can afford that. Oh, Lord, it's getting quiet up in this place. Mm, mm, uh-huh. Uh, did you see what they bought? Did you see what they were? I don't know how they afford all that kind of stuff. With mm -hmm. You know where that's rooted in? Envy. Your only problem is that it's not yours. Oh, I can't get no real amens in the building. Because uh, if it was yours, it wouldn't be no problem. Huh? The only problem you got is the fact that it don't belong to you. Woo-wee. Good God Almighty from a burning bush in Zion. Charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't try to lift itself up. It's not puffed up. Next one. 
Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. You know, there's adults in this church still don't know how to behave themselves. Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. I don't have time to get deep into each one of these. Love seeketh not her own. Love is not self-centered. If you pitch a fit when you don't get your way, if you pout when you don't get things the way you want them to, come on. I'm going to preach over here for a minute to somebody that ain't afraid to say amen. If you hang your face every time it doesn't go just like you want it to go and it didn't happen and you, well, hey, that's not the disposition of love. That's selfishness. That's pride. That's arrogance. Come on, somebody. You know what love does? It prefers its brother. Oh, I thought somebody run the aisles right there. Uh, you know what love says? Uh, hey, would you rather that? Man, let's do what you want to do instead. Uh, man, is that what you like? Uh, come on, let's do what you like. Uh, we can do what I want to do another time. Man, is this what you would prefer? Uh, why don't we go ahead? Come on, somebody. Uh, Self-centeredness is always uh, trying to wrangle its way. Uh, and when I don't get my way, you know what it is? Uh, it's wanting to have control of everything. Uh, it's manipulation. Uh, I got to be the one in control. It's got to be my way or else I got to come on. You need to learn how to let go uh, and let God. Uh, let me put it better than that. You need to learn how to let go uh, and let other people because uh, it's not always your turn. Uh, it's not always your way. Uh, that's not love. Love prefers other people. Love is not easily provoked. I know we joke around cute, you know. I'm not the one. That ain't godly. Don't mess with me. I'm not the one. That, that ain't godly. Love is not easily provoked. Man, you can say what you want to say. You ain't going to make me mad. You ain't going to get me off, off my rocker. You don't have that much control in my life. I'm not giving you the keys to my emotional car. So you can cuss me out, flip me off, uh, call me names. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to love you. Woo, it's getting quieter and quieter and quieter up in here, up in here. It's not easily provoked. No, I didn't say it can't be provoked. It just doesn't happen easily. Hello. Love, listen, thinketh no evil. Love doesn't sit around trying to figure out what everybody's motives are. Love doesn't sit around thinking there's always a message behind what people say and do. There's always an ulterior motive behind what they say. Love doesn't sit around waiting for the other shoe to drop. Uh, I know that's what they said, but I don't think that's what they meant. No, uh, most people meant what they said. I'm going to get to it in a moment. You're going to drive yourself to an early grave. Always thinking evil. 
always thinking the worst, always thinking. Did you, did you see that, what she did? What, what, what did she do? I, I saw her all the way across the church. I know she was looking at me. I know, I know she was. Oh, you can't tell me she wasn't. I, I know. And as soon as I locked eyes with her, she turned her head. Love doesn't think evil. Love rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I'm not going to dive into that tonight. I think that's self-explanatory. Love beareth all things. Love can handle some stuff. Love can carry some weight. When you love somebody, I'm going to carry you. And I ain't going to drop you just because I'm upset or. Love beareth all things. You know, when I said I do to that fine fox right over there, when I said I do, I made a vow to carry her and never drop her. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there have been some moments where she has made me so mad. And there's been some moments where I made her so mad. But you know what? Love goes deeper than that. Sorry, I ain't dropping you. We just got to work through this together. Come on, when you love people, uh, love beareth all things. I don't like this about them. Bear it until something changes uh, or till Jesus comes. Uh, well, I just, this irks me about them. Well, you know what? There's a lot of stuff that you irk people with about too. Uh, don't just be dropping it. You know what that is? It's cancel culture. Love bears all things. I know some of y'all are squirming because you've never learned what real love is. Your definition of love is, has been distorted. Love believeth all things. I've already touched on that. Love hopeth all things. Love speaks hope into every relationship. Not doom and gloom and despair. I don't walk around. No, no. I can see it coming. I can see it coming now. This ain't going to work. I ain't changing that. No, when you love somebody, hey, we're going to make this thing work. We're going to make our friendship work. We're going to work through it. We're going to do whatever we got to do. Come on, let's get this. Love, hope of all things. Love endureth all things. Next verse. I've got to hurry. Love never faileth. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Now when it it says fail, it doesn't mean they fail as when they broke. It means there's going to come a time when there is no more prophecies. No need for them because time will be fulfilled. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. There's going to come a time we won't need to speak in tongues. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. I don't have time to dissect all of this. Listen, this is an interesting scripture. He relates everything he just talked about to spiritual maturity. 
When I was a child, I spake as a child. Can I just preach it like this tonight? It's time for some of us to grow up. Come on, it's time for some of us to grow up and quit acting like little kids throwing tantrums that can't get their way uh, and they're upset uh, and they, come on, they're mad at everybody. And t- When I was a child, I spake as a child. All these things to do with love. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man or when I reached maturity, I put away childish things. I mean, when I see a three-year-old get on the ground, I want to go to McDonald's. I expect that from a three-year-old. But there's adults who act just as bad with their attitudes. That's a good Instagram moment right there. That media team, I don't know what kind of music you're going to put with that one for a real. <laughs> no, don't put that out. That's going to go on church milk. They'll be like, a preacher loses his mind. Has a conniption fit on the platform. Nervous breakdown. Who knows what they'll say. For now we see through glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. And now, listen, abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care how much hope that you have. The greatest attribute you can have uh, is learn to be a person who knows how to love. Oh, this is good teaching tonight. I'm going to skip some of this tonight. We don't have time. There are five things. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. I'm going to try to move as quick as I can. Five areas that God explicitly commands us that we are to love. Number one, we are to love God. Mark chapter 20, verse 30, Jesus quotes the greatest commandment that we are to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And certainly as a Christian, we are to love God. However, we must realize that Satan constantly seeks to diminish this affection and separate us from the love we have for God. And our love for God, hear me tonight, has got to be more than words alone. But it has to be shown in our keeping of the commandments. You can say you love God all you want to. God isn't judging what you say. He's going to judge your actions. Here's what Jesus said, Luke 6 and 46. He, 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 He looks at them and says, why call ye me Lord and do not the things which I say. In other words, if you can't obey me, quit calling me your Lord. John chapter 14, verse 15. Media team's doing such a great job tonight. If ye love me, there it is again, if. 
conditional. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Our love for God and God's love for us is one of the greatest themes of the Bible. And so it goes without saying, they are inextricably connected. Are you with me tonight? They are inextricably connected. If you are going to love God, then you have to love people. I'm gonna lose some people right here. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40 says this, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Listen. And the second is like unto it. He puts an emphasis of importance that the second commandment is just as important as the first. If you say you love God, you cannot separate the second commandment. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I submit to you tonight that people who have a difficulty loving people have difficulty loving God. Their problem is really not horizontal. Their problem is vertical. Come on, I don't care how, how good they sing in the choir. I don't care how talented they are. I don't care how good a sermons they preach. I don't care how big of a church they might pastor. If you don't love people, your relationship with God is broken. When we really love God, loving others becomes easy. Because God's heartbeat is people. Uh, if I don't say nothing else tonight, you better catch what I'm saying right now. God's heartbeat is people. And you can't love God and not love what he loves. I'm not a people person. That's your carnal nature speaking. You need to let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you uh, until you love people. Oh, I'm preaching better than some of y'all shouting tonight. This might be a good time to put your finger up uh, and bust for the back door in the sanctuary tonight. Uh, if you're going to love God, uh, then you better let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you. Because uh, when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you, uh, it'll cause you uh, to love uh, people. Not loving people is a reflection that your relationship with God is broken. I'm not just telling you what the scripture said. I don't, I don't care if you speak with the tongues of angels. I don't care if you prophesy. I don't care if you can walk through this building and tell everybody their birth date and who has back pain and headaches. I don't care if you could stretch your hand over the river and cause it to part like Moses. If you don't love people, it means nothing. What's love got to do with it? Everything. 
Woo, this is good preaching tonight. We are to love one another. Our greatest representation of God is manifest and displayed in how we love one another. John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Get that for me if you would. A new commandment. Oh, we already read that. Let's, let's skip it. We have to love one another. An attitude against a brother or sister that harbors bitterness or hate. The Bible says makes us a murderer. If you want to see what harboring ill feelings towards a brother or sister lead you to, just go read the story of Cain and Abel. Just go read the story of Cain and Abel. Here's, here's what the word of the Lord says. 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. 1 John 3, 14 through 16. Let's read that tonight. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother or sister abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Some of us say we don't, but our actions speak otherwise. Oh, it's quiet up in here. Your words don't speak half as loud as your actions do. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And he goes on and says, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Honey, I don't care how cute you look. Sir, I don't care how nice your suit is. You will not make it to heaven having problems and ill feelings with your brother or sister in your heart. Oh, I'm preaching really good right now. Some of y'all ought to be shouting. I'm going to say it one more time. Uh, I don't care how much tithing you pay. Uh, I don't care if you've never missed a church service in 50 years. Uh, I don't care if you say, I don't care what ministry you serve in. Uh, if you have hate ought in your heart against your brother or sister, you're not going to make it to heaven. Some of y'all that were shouting Sunday night are, are, are sitting real quiet tonight. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, can't you dig it? <laughs> Hereby perceive we the love of God. Here's how we perceive. Here's what demonstrates the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, or should I say cistern. Amen, somebody. Number three, number one, we ought to love God. Number two, love each other. Number three, we are to love our enemies. 
<laughs> I know the world tells you to, you know, to hate your haters and get revenge and I'll show them. No, no, that's not what the Bible says. Bible says we're to love our enemies. And again, the secret to carrying out this scriptural injunction is to first have a love for God. Because when you got that settled, you'll know how to love your enemies. You can do like Jesus did. Uh, when they slapped him one cheek, uh, he gave him the other. When they hung him on a cross, uh, he prayed one thing, Father, uh, forgive them. Come on, somebody. I'll tell you what you need to learn how to pray a lot more uh, is get on your knees when people hurt you uh, and just say, Father, forgive them. Uh, they didn't know what they did. Come on, somebody. Father, uh, forgive them. Uh, Father, uh, why? Because you need God to forgive you. Uh, and if you're going to need God to forgive you, uh, you better keep the bloodline flowing to your enemies. Uh, you better keep the grace and the enemy uh, or the grace and the blood of Jesus flowing uh, to those that oppose you. Jesus reversed the ideology and the theology of his listeners when he contrasted what they had heard with what he now commanded them. Get from me Matthew chapter 5 verses 43 through 48. He was dealing with the contemporary ideology even in that day. And he said, ye have heard, and it hath been said, this is the popular thought, uh, that ye shall love your neighbor, but hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Oh, this is a good shouting verse right here. Uh, Bless them uh, that curse you. When's the last time you blessed somebody uh, that you know was talking about you behind your back? Oh, I can't get no help up in this Holy Ghost church. Uh, when's the last time you walked up in the house of God uh, and you knew somebody was made saying something about you uh, and you just laid a big old blessing on them? Uh, bless them uh, that curse you. Uh, do good uh, to them uh, that hate you. Uh, don't roll your hips uh, and roll your eyes uh, and cut them off. Uh, no, do good to them that hate you uh, and pray for them uh, which destroy spitefully use you uh, and persecute. I can't get nobody to shout over the word of the Lord in this place tonight. Why? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sendeth the rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them, listen, which love you, what reward have ye? You ain't doing nothing godlike when you love people who love you. I love them if they love me. If not, then they too bad, so sad, you're dad. God said, what reward do you have if the only people you know how to love are the ones that love you? Some of us, that's where our love is limited to. Everybody else, we just close them off. Do not even the publicans the same. People without the Holy Ghost know how to do that. Next verse. And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? You know what he's saying there? 
if the only people you know how to hang out with is your clique. This is my crew, this is my club, this is my clique. I just don't get along with them. So I'm better off just staying home. That ain't God in you. I just, I just, I'm not into the same things they're into. Selfish, love ain't selfish. You ain't got to be into everything I'm into. You know why? Because I love you. And if I love you, I'm interested in what you're into. And I may never even get into what you're into, uh, but my love for you supersedes our interests. Come on, somebody. Some of us need to get out of our cliques and our clacks and our little circles and learn how to let the love of God teach us how to start loving people who think different than we do, who have different tastes than we do, who come from different ethnic backgrounds than we do, who come from different socioeconomic situations than we do. I don't care where you're from. You can come hang with me. I don't care if you're from Beverly Hills or the hood. Uh, you can come to my house. Uh, I don't care if your parents are Scandinavian, uh, South African, uh, from Haiti, Jamaica, Spain, Mexico, uh, Norwegian. I don't care. Uh, come over to my house uh, because the love of when you are a son of God, his genetics will show up in your life. When you're a child of God, his genetics will show. You'll start to love like God loves. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven. When your walk with God is what it's supposed to be, how you love people will be a reflection of how God loves people. Woo! I'm hurrying to a close. Music come. Give them some hope tonight. Number four, we are to love our family. Over and over again in scripture, God commands and sets the principle in the home and the family structure to be a reflection of his love in the earth. I'm going to say this again because this church is first generation for the most part, 99.99%. And almost nobody in this place is untouched from dysfunctional families. So let me start by telling you, you are not an exception in this place just because you've been through what you've been through. Come on, I'm going to preach it over here for a moment. You are not an exception in this place just because you've been through what you've been through. There's a lot of people in this building uh, that have been through what you've been through. God is bigger than what you've been through. And there is so much dysfunctional background that if we are not careful, we will sabotage the blessing of God over our families. We will sabotage the lineage of God putting a new, you know what, you wanna know what my number one thing was when I got the Holy Ghost, Brother Hammond? It was on the top of my, my prayer list besides making it to heaven. 
God, I want to have a family that's a reflection of a godly family. I, 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 don't want to, I don't want my family to look like what I came from. I, I don't want to repeat the mistakes and the problems and the issues of my father and grandfather and, and, and all of the different people. Come on, somebody. That, that was the Holy Ghost working in my life. Uh, and God started identifying, son, uh, if you want to have a better family, uh, you better make sure you avoid this. Uh, if you want a better family, you better make sure you do this. Uh, if you want a better family, you better come on, somebody. And the Word of God is replete over and over again with examples of what the family should look like. God commands, it starts with the husband. They're explicitly commanded to love their wives and not be bitter against them. Ephesians, just write this down. I don't have time to get to all of it. Ephesians 5.25 and verse 28 and verse 33, God commands the husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. The scripture commands us in Titus chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Listen, that the elder women should teach the younger women to love their husbands and children. The responsibility of the mature women is to teach the younger women how to love their families, love their husband. Not teach them how to get over on their husband. Not spread their bitterness to the next generation because of what they've been through. It blows me away how many women who came from busted up marriages and God's preserved them and God's, but came from multiple divorces and failed relationships feel the most qualified to teach young ladies about how to have a successful marriage. Ooh, it, I, knew, I knew that was gonna drop. If somebody didn't fall out, that was your opportunity right there. Young lady, you need to find some women with some wisdom in their life who have demonstrated their ability. Come on. I'm not going to take business lessons from somebody who's bankrupt five companies and has no success under their belt. You find you some godly women who have learned how to get it God's way in a marriage. Come on, you find you some godly women who have, who have caught some things in their marriage and been through some life and learned and let them teach you uh, how to love your husband uh, and how to love uh, your children and how to raise your family. Let's stand all over this house tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. We've got to break cycles in this house. I said we've got to break some cycles in this house. Some familial cycles so that we can be Abrahams whose families are blessed by God for generations. Come on, somebody. The last thing, and I'm, I'm hurrying to close. If you want to come to pray, just come. It's family night tonight. 
Just grab your family. Come on. Come on down to this altar. We, we're almost done. We'll, we're we're going to pray and pray together in just a moment. The last thing I want to, to mention tonight in this Bible study, number five, the Bible instructs us to love our leaders. Get 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord. You, you, you reading this with me? And admonish you. Know them that labor among you, that are over you in the Lord, and that God has placed there to admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace amongst yourself. We have a culture in this church that loves leadership. We, we, we don't run around disparaging the youth pastor and, and, and disparage the women's ministry director and outreach director and, 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 and look down on people that are... No, no, no. That's not the culture we have in this church. Uh, in this church, we have a culture uh, that we love the leadership uh, that God has placed. Uh, we encourage the leadership uh, and we pray for the leadership uh, that God has placed in our... We pray for the Sunday school teachers uh, that God has placed... Uh, over our children's life. I want them to be blessed. I want them to be successful so they can help shape and mold my babies. We pray for, come on somebody. What's love got to do with it? Everything. And I feel like as we get into the end of 2023, God sent me into this place tonight to reestablish a beacon in this church that at the center of this house, the most powerful dynamic that we possess is not our music. It's not our beautiful building. It's not our Sunday school buses. The most powerful thing we possess in this church is our ability to love each other. It's at the epicenter of revival. It's what causes people to walk in here and say, I feel something uh, that I've never felt before. What is it? Uh, it's the love of God uh, and it's God's love working through his people. Uh, I've never felt so welcome before. Uh, I've never felt so, so, so much kindness before. Uh, I've never felt, what is that? That's the love of God uh, working through his people. Come on. Would you lift your hands one more time all over this house? Come on, would you help me pray tonight? All over this building, would you help me pray? Lord, uh, help us tonight to be a reflection of your love. Uh, help us to love like you want us to love. 
Help us to love like you want us to love. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. In the name of Jesus. I, I need you. Come on. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is His will that every need be supplied.
Come on, can we give him some praise in this house tonight? Come on, let's give him some praise in this house tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah.